Hey, this is David Perkins, pastor of Radiant Church. Thanks so much for checking out our podcast. I hope and I pray that the content helps you grow as a follower of Jesus. We'd love to see you at one of our services on Sundays or maybe at our Bold Conference this summer. Remember this, those who look to Him are radiant. Good morning. Come on, give it up for Jesus. A little bit better than that. It's so good. I'm spill my water. All right. It's holy water. Uh, awesome. Well, hey, good morning. You doing well? Awesome. Good. I'm excited to be here. Second service. Come on. I did communion twice today. Doubly blessed. Um, so I'm super excited. If I haven't got to meet you yet, my name is Joshua Hubbard, and uh, I lead young adults here at Radiant Church, as well as our internship for young adults called Radiant Intensive, and we're currently not in session. We start again in September, and so I'm loving summer, but I'm really ready to get back uh, in the swing of things with Radiant Intensive. So please be in prayer. We got students coming from all over the country uh, to do the program, and so they're excited. They're getting their details in order um, to take a leap of faith, really, and so I just love how much this past year you encouraged them, and the pastors of the church, you've encouraged them and supported them, and it means so much to them, and now all of them are doing so many incredible things here and at other churches. Um, Just incredible to see the fruit of that, and so really excited for September. Well, I'm excited about today, and I just love being here with you. More than just anything we do uh, together, I love just the presence of God and the people of God at Radiant, and so I'm so happy uh, to be here with you. It's going to be an awesome day. We're continuing in our summer series called Red Letters, and uh, and so Pastor David did an amazing job last week giving a message um, on the gifts God's given us, how he's so, been so generous. God's been so generous to give all of us gifts to use to serve him and to serve others and to find fulfillment. And I love that message. I'm excited to have Pastor David back next week. He's in uh, Louisiana this week at Healing Place Church, preaching at their youth conference as well as uh, their Sunday services today. And so excited to have him back next week. But today, I'm really excited for uh, this part of the Red Letter series. going to be talking about the parable of the barren fig tree. Anybody excited about that? Wow, I just heard it. I felt that all over you. Uh, It's going to be awesome, though, and I promise you you're going to love this parable. By the end, at least that's my prayer. It's ministered to me so much, and um, so just love you guys. If you want to turn your Bible to Luke 13, we're going to read straight from there. Luke 13, verse 6 through 9, it reads, Then Jesus told this parable. A man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it, but did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years now, I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year and I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. And I love this parable because it shows me the heart of God and how much he cares and is concerned with us being fruitful within our lives. And so I'm excited just to share with you the message the Lord's given me. I hope it blesses you. I want to pray for you before we go any further. And so, Father, I just pray for every person in this room, Jesus. I pray that today they would experience the word you have for them. God, the word that they need in their life, Lord, your word can change everything, God. One moment you speak things into existence, God. You can speak things into our lives that can change us forever. So I just thank you that there's no accident for each person being here, Lord, but you have so much for them. And I just pray today that our hearts will be open and we invite your presence in today to speak, Lord, that we'd hear you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. 
Awesome. Well, I, uh, I consider myself, I'm only 25 years old, but I consider myself an expert in some things. Uh, one of those being getting out of embarrassing situations. And um, personally, you know, everybody's going to be good at something. And that's one of my, I kind of like to say I'm not really an expert in anything. I know I said a few things, but I'm really just like a good at a lot of things, but not that good, just good enough to get by. And uh, one of those things is, is, is getting out of awkward situations. And I got good at it because it happens enough. You know, and so it, the more it happens, the better you get at it. Um, and so I like to consider myself, you know, pretty uh, talented at getting out. And there's certain ways you get out. You change the subject really quickly. You know, you try to defer attention to someone else. You just own it, whatever it is. But there are moments when you have enough embarrassing situations, there are moments where there's just something that catches you so off guard, you don't know what to do with it. And about three months ago, I had one of those moments here at Radiant. Um, and I hate to say that. I hate to say it was at church that it happened um, because it makes it even worse once you hear the story. Um, but it, it was kind of a, it was a hard day for me. It's a day I'm still trying to live down, honestly. And I'm so thankful for our freedom groups uh, here at Radiant because of it. But um, it, it, was a, it was just a moment I didn't know what to do with. And so I just want to say brace yourself because everything I'm about to say is true. Um, and nothing is exaggerated in this story. Um, but you know, when you come and I, I'm here every day or every Sunday, all day long. And so I'm here from 6.30 in the morning, our church in team, all the way until 2.30 in the afternoon when we're, we've loaded all the trailers and we're gone. So there's a lot of conversations that happen in that time, right? And, and the Bible says too much talk leads to sin, <laughs> but too much talk also leads to embarrassing moments sometimes for me. Uh, and so I'm standing outside, it's before the 9.30 service. Again, this is three months ago. There's been a little bit of time, um, for me to live through it, but um, I'm standing out there and I'm talking to these girls, okay? And so that's the worst because personally as a young guy, I'd rather be embarrassed in front of guys than like girls. Um, and, and, and again, I've had my fair share of embarrassing moments. Like Pastor David always talks about me being single and, you know, that's always like a little embarrassing. And I've had moments where grandmothers have come up to me and tried to get me to go on dates with their granddaughters because of that. And so you got to like, like, I'm good at working my way out of these situations. Um, but this moment was different because... I'm standing with this group of girls, um, and there's like three or four of them, and they say something, and I respond with a dad joke. Everybody know what a dad joke is? You know, it's just kind of like, I mean, if you have, you've been around dads, you've, you understand. It's just a joke that's like, it just makes you shake your head. You're just like, I can't believe you just said that. But it's funny, you know, and uh, so it's really all you can do with it. And so I, I consider myself, that's one of the other things I'm really good at, is dad jokes. And I really feel like it's like an apostolic calling, like father mantle. Um, all my life, even though I'm young, and so the gifts come young, and that was a snort. That was amazing, uh, and and so, uh, but dad jokes come naturally for me, so I say a dad joke. Don't think too much of it, you know, and uh, try to be humble about it, and um, you know, one of the girls is like, oh my gosh, that was such a dad joke, and I'm like, yeah, I know, but what happened next, I wasn't ready for, and I don't know if you're ready for it, but the girl says, oh, that was a dad joke. I'm like, I know, kind of play it off, like kind of proud because it was one I had never used before. And um, the other girl goes, well, of course you're good at dad jokes. You have a dad bod. <sighs> Can't make these things up. And uh, um, feels good just to say it out loud, you know. <laughs> but... I had the same reaction, just like a, an inward mic, like deep in your soul, like a groan that you can't, words can't express, you know. Um, and I can't make it up. And honestly, I don't remember what I did in that moment. I think it was just like you just backpedal out of the conversation. And, 
And no lie, okay, so that's bad enough, right? Like, that's good enough for the year on embarrassing moments. But later that day, so fast forward a few hours, in the, after, so I like worship for a service, kind of get cleaned off from it and um, feel a little free and feel better about myself. And then after first service, I'm talking to another group of girls. I don't know what I'm, I don't know what the deal is. If I just like invoke this when I'm around or what, but um, this girl's like, oh my gosh, your hair looks so good because I got a haircut. And uh, I hadn't had, hadn't had like a, you know, I've been just getting the same haircut. You know, us guys, we like the same thing over and over again. And so I've been getting the same haircut for probably a year, two years, whatever. And she's like, oh my gosh, your hair looks so good. And I'm like, oh, thank you. You know, like, oh, thank you, Lord, for this encouraging word to lift up the weight from the first service. And, uh, and she's like, oh, it looks so much better than it used to. You used to have that slick back thing, right? And I'm like, Oh my gosh, like what am I, a target today? So immediately two things happened. I decided to never grow my hair out again. And then I started working out the next day. And uh, I'm happy to say it's been two months and I've lost 20 pounds, which is, it's pretty, it's all I wanted to do. Come up here and tell you that. And so that's my testimony. Uh, but, um, but no, I did. I was like, I got to do something. I do not want to have a, all I know is I didn't want to have a dad bod at 25. And uh, it's just not what I was going for, especially being single. Maybe if you're not single, you're fine with that dad bod and it's working. But being single, I was like, it's not helping me. Um, and so I was like, uh, I got to work on this. And thankfully, a, tr- a trainer, I talked with a trainer and he's been amazing in helping me do this. Uh, it's been pretty incredible, but it's been intense as well. Like one of the things that I did not expect was how intense he would be, like how serious he would be about this. I kind of thought, oh, he'd be a little encouraging, but it was like the moment I talked to him, he was like, are you real about this? Because if you're not real, then you can't, I can't help you. And I was like, oh my gosh, this feels like an intervention, you know? And, uh, it's like, I just don't want a dad bod, <laughs> and I'm real about that. Um, but he was so serious about it, and I've loved it. It's been an amazing journey. But what's been so uh, incredible to me is how my mindset has changed throughout it. So obviously, there's been a physical change, but what's been incredible is how much he's tried to train me to change my mind, really renew my mind in a sense, so that I could approach life differently so it would be sustainable for the long run. And so his big message has not been, let's just get you to lose weight, It's been, let's come up with a sustainable method so that you can lose weight and you'll also be healthy on the inside for the rest of your life. Because so many people go through their lives and they may be, you know, you see these guys that are incredibly, uh, they have incredible physiques, but on the inside, they still eat terrible and that affects your mood and your, uh, your thinking, your sleep, your relationships, it affects everything. And so he's preached health to me and changed my mind to be more about health focus than just the results and the outward focus that's going to take place. And those things come as you focus on what's going on on the inside. And I think similarly, God, the Father, cares so much about the health of our souls, what's going on inside of us. In fact, that's why I love this parable. The more I've read it over and over and dived into studying it, the more I see God's great concern with the health of our souls. In this parable, um, God the Father is the vineyard owner. So he owns this vineyard, and there are fig trees in it that he's coming to check on. He's coming to check on this fig tree to see if fruit has come yet. And we, we are that fig tree. Followers of Jesus are the fig tree. And what I love is that we see the seriousness of, or his concern and his seriousness towards whether or not we are growing fruit in our lives. And it's so serious, by the way, 
He is so concerned with it, like way more. It, honestly, it feels like it reminds me of my trainer where I was like, I thought I was serious because I didn't want a dad bod, but then I met my trainer and I was like, he's so serious about this. And God is so serious. You see it in the parable. He comes and he says, he checks to see if there's fruit. And he said, this has been here for three years and it has not had fruit yet. Let's cut it down. Like he's so serious. Like this is, a, this is, this is very important to the father. We see his concern for it, that he cares so deeply about it. And I actually love that. I love seeing the series. When I first read it, I got a little like, oh gosh, like I need to check and see if there's fruit in my life. Because this is, he takes this really, really seriously. But the more I read it, the more I became encouraged by how concerned he is with the fruit in our lives. Because it shows how much of a father he is, how great of a father he is. We look at parents and in, in our world, if a parent neglects to help a child develop, if they neglect to feed a child, if they neglect to take care of them, keep them safe, provide for them, take them to school, all of those things, it's called uh, neglect. And our Heavenly Father is so, He does not want to neglect our lives and let us stay in our fruit, fruitless state. It's actually His mercy. That's what I see in this as I read it. It's His mercy that He wants to remove us from our fruitlessness. Like he actually does not want to leave you in a fruitless state, but he wants to remove you from that. He, he would rather you be removed from it than stay fruitless for the rest of your life. He's just so concerned about this. And I love that because it shows the heart of a father. What parent would not want to see their child developed? What parent would not want to see if your kids stayed the same as they were when they were born, if they just stayed that way, kept doing the same things they were doing, never changing, never developing, never growing, There'd be issues. You'd probably be rushing them, like taking them to the doctor, taking them to professionals that could help them without trying to figure out what, and that's the same thing I see with the father here. He's like, we've got to make sure fruit is coming from this. He's just so serious about it. He really, really cares about it. With that, I think that we're serious about it as well, though. I think that we are, at least we would be if we knew how important this was to our lives and the state of our souls. Like if you knew how important it is that you bear fruit and if you knew the reason why he cares so much that you bear fruit, it would change the way you approach this. Maybe you're like me, you've been in church your entire life. I've been in church, I've heard messages about we need to bear fruit. We need to be people that are fruitful. Fruitful Christians need to be fruitful. And you hear the message, but maybe you're like, ah, I, don't know if it's, I don't know if it's that important, you know. But God cares a lot. He cares a whole lot. And so my question, anytime I see that God cares so much about something, my question is why? Why do you care so much about this, Lord? Like, why is this so important to you? Can you show me your heart? Can you help me understand why this is so important to you? It's like Moses said, show me your ways. Show me the way you think. Solomon asked for wisdom. How do you think? He wanted to know, why is this so important to you? Because if you care this much that you don't want to leave me fruitless, what is it that you want from this? And what do you want to see? And so I think so many times either, A, first of all, this is where I think most of you are at. You are actually serious about it yourself. And you want to be, that's why you're at church, is because you care as well. Maybe you're in a place where you don't care, and I think that's just because you don't understand how important it actually is. And that's just because you don't know what it is that God wants for you and what it is that this actually represents in your life and what it could do if it takes root inside of you. And if you did, it would change everything. But you have to know, first of all, what, what, it, what is this fruit God is looking for? Like, that was my first question. Like, what is the fruit? What is it, God, that you're looking for? Like, you say you want fruit. It's important. I got that. What does it, what does it look like, though? And the first thing that comes to my mind when I thought about it, maybe yours too, is we think outward things. 
Like when, when you say somebody has a fruitful life in Christianity, a lot of times that means they're a soul winner. And so they've won, they've won people over, you know, to the Lord and they've led them to the Lord. And that's incredible. And that's, there's great ministry fruit in that. Or it's somebody who's extremely generous and so they're, they're a giver. And so they've had a lot of fruit because they've given so much. And that's a great thing as well. And we start to think of these outward expressions that we believe are the fruit in people's lives. And I think that's important and it's good, but it's actually not the fullness of what this parable is talking about when it says that the Father came to look for fruit in their lives. So what is it? Glad you asked. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. I love this passage. It says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And there's no law against these things. And I believe this is the fruit that it's actually talking about when it says the Father comes to look for fruit. He's actually talking about not just the outward expressions of things in our lives, but the inward transformation that takes place that leads to those outward expressions in our lives. I believe he's talking about way more than just what we can do and what we can produce, but what's being produced inside of us. That's actually what he means. He wants to know, when he says, I'm coming to look for fruit, he wants to know, has this relationship with Jesus done anything in their life? Has it done anything? Is there a supernatural work taking place in them? Is there a transformation? It's no longer Christ who lived, but Christ who lives in me. Is there a transformation taking place in their lives? And I believe that's the fruit he's actually looking for. And that's why I say, if you knew what it was, you would want it. You would want more of it. Who doesn't? Our world is begging for this, by the way. Every human on the earth is looking for more peace. Come on, we have self-help books. We got so much medicine for it. People looking for peace. We're talking about anxiety all the time. That's the, that's the spirit of the age, honestly, is this anxiousness that's taking over our world and a fear that's happening. Everybody wants these things. Who doesn't want more love? Come on, our world is asking for love. They just don't know what love is. <laughs> but they want it. They want it in their lives, and I believe you do, you do too. We all want more self-control. Come on, we want to stop doing the things that have been uh, holding us back for so long or hurting us for so long or hurting our families and things that we want to stop. We, uh, it's what Paul said. I want to stop doing what I know I shouldn't do. It's that we want this self-control, and I just want to tell you, God wants it for your life even more. <laughs> he wants this for you, and you'd want it too if you understand it, but you have to know what he's talking about. It's not just what you can give and what you can produce more of. It's what he wants to do inside of you. That's what his desire is, is to do it inside of you. And so if you know what it is, I believe you want it more. And, and honestly, again, I believe most of you actually do want it. It's why you're here. You're here searching to, to find these things that the world cannot offer. Jesus said, I give you a, a gift the world can't give you, a peace of mind. So you're searching. You're here searching. Even those of you that don't know the Lord, we're so glad you're here. You're here searching for something. And the Lord's leading you to have fruit in your life. But you have to know what you're looking for first. And second of all, you got to know where it comes from. Like, how do I even, what, what is my part to play in all of this? How do I cultivate? Because that was my question. Okay, Lord, I understand that this is what you want for me. And honestly, I want it too. I want more peace. I want more hope in my life. I don't want to walk around hopeless. I want hope in my life. Now, I talk to people all the time. Uh, even though I'm young, get to help pastor a lot of people, and and you get to hear the stories of hopelessness and brokenness that are going on that are real in people's lives. And so I know people want it. So God, I know you want it for me. I know uh, that I want it as well, and I understand that it's something that you want to do on the inside of me. But what do I do about it? How do I actually see it come uh, take place in my life? 
I remember experiencing this. This is kind of, it reminds me, honestly, uh, about my experience with, with working out and trying to lose weight and all these things. You know, everybody wants to, it's the same thing. Everybody wants to look better. Everybody wants to lose five pounds, uh, especially during the summer um, with beach season around. And so, you know, all our beaches in Kansas City. Um, sorry, from Alabama. <laughs> but everybody wants to lose weight. It's just, it's, it's incredible to me. I love talking to my trainer because he'll like, he's an amazing guy. He'll go on these rants about all of these, these diets you hear about that are like the create, you know, the diets that are, we all know about the diets, you know, the keto diet and, and I'm not going to bash any diets. All I know is there is like, it is like circulated fear inside of people of carbs. Carbs is like, carbs and gluten are like the scariest things in the world. You know, people used to have like fear of speaking and, you know, fear of dying. And now it's just like, everybody's like in freedom groups for carbs. And, um, (laughs) <laughs> but, you know, everybody wants to lose weight. It's that most people actually don't know the right way. You know, you hear people talk about it all the time, and I could go on and on about it. I've gotten to learn a lot, thankfully. In this time, it's been amazing. But most people just don't know how. Like, they've tried a million things. They just don't know how. And I believe it's the same way in this. And I just want to tell you, the first thing you need to do or, or not do uh, in this whole idea of bearing fruit is don't strive for it. Like, striving for fruit won't actually make you produce any. It it actually a lot of times does the opposite of that. If you get caught up in striving, I believe it's one of the the hardest parts of the Christian walk is the balance between putting forth effort, but you have to put it forth in the right place. And so your job in this is not to strive to be more patient. I'm just going to, I'm going to wake up today. You ever seen a stressed Christian? That's what striving does is a stressed Christian. You meet, come on, you've met them. I know some of you are stressed. And uh, you, you meet a stressed Christian and they're, it's just like, what are you, you know, like they're, they're trying to follow Jesus and you're like, what are you doing? You know, you, you look stressed and they're like, oh, I'm growing in patience and oh, I'm growing in self-control. And you're like, man, that looks painful. Uh, you know, like, is that, is that what, when Jesus said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light, is that what he meant? Looks like a heavy yoke, you know? And so you're just like, that, that's not actually what it, it's not striving to produce more. I loved re- reading. The first time I've ever been on a, this studying for this message was the first time I've ever been on a gardening website in my life. Um, and because I wanted to study why fig trees don't produce fruit, because Jesus is telling this parable to a group of people that understand why a fig tree or how fig trees grow and when they produce fruit and why they wouldn't. I don't know any of that. And so I wanted to read, like, why do fig trees not produce fruit? And it's so incredible to me. There was, it said there was two main reasons. First of all is that they have water stress. So they're not getting enough water. They're so dry. And this would preach on its own. They're so dry from not getting enough water, their whole tree goes into stress trying to produce um, without the right source of energy. And oftentimes to combat that, what people do, and it actually ends up hurting it more, is they try to add nitrogen or fertilizer to it, which is normally good for the tree, but they, put, they try to overcompensate by adding nitrogen or fertilizer to it. And what it does is it ends up making a tree that looks strong, has great, great strength, green leaves, but no fruit. And I think it's so much what we can fall into, honestly, in the Christian life is we try to, we're striving to produce this fruit in ourselves. At least I've been there. I'm just going to do good things. And that's often, oftentimes we add the fertilizer. We add serving. We add giving. We add attending church, going to more small groups. All of these things are amazing, by the way, and I think they're important for your faith. I don't think that you can just grow in your faith um, you know, the Bible does, talks about not, not being off alone, trying to grow in your faith your whole life on your own, forsaking time with the saints. And you need that time, and it's so crucial. We see it in Acts when the church comes together, how important it is to be together. 
and to feed on the word together and to pray together. And so it's so important. But we think, I'll just come and do all of these things on the outside and hope that I bear fruit from that on the inside and hope that that makes a difference in my life. And I believe it plays a part. I believe it does make a difference when you serve. I've been so blessed by serving, and I've talked to so many. I love the testimonies of the Ellis's of just the way small groups and serving and jumping all in changes their lives. It makes a, it makes a big difference. But it's not everything, and often, honestly, it's not the fullness or the foundation of what God wants for you in your life for you to bear fruit. So you cannot strive. All you'll do with, when you strive is you'll look great on the outside, but you can still be barren on the inside. And so your striving seems like it's producing more, and people might be affected by it, which is great, but you're still left empty on the inside, searching for some source, some source of nutrients for your soul. Because it was never meant to be your striving and your effort. The Bible says, not by power and not by might, but by my spirit. This is the fruit of the spirit he wants to produce inside of you. It's not your ability. It's not how much you can bring to the table. It's not what you can do for yourselves. It's not how hard your willpower is. Your willpower can be incredible, but you cannot produce God fruit without God. (laughs) It just won't work. And so what's the answer? John 15. John 15, I love this scripture. John 15, it says, hold on, let me find it. John 15, okay, there we go. I love this scripture, let me find it. All right, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. I am the vine, and you are the branches. So those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. It's all about connection. Your fruitfulness is dependent on your connection to Jesus. You cannot strive enough. You can strive, honestly, I I, I talk to people all the time, and even I look at my own life, and it's like people are like, I've been dealing with this for years. Years I've been struggling with this. I've been trying to get rid of this thing for years. And the temptation is just to give up, and that's what striving will do. Striving will lead you to the end of yourself where you realize, I don't have any more strength for this. I've been trying to produce something in myself that I cannot produce. I, don't ha- I can't do it anymore. But connection can break things off in a moment, can change things in a moment, can fix things in a moment that you've been dealing with for years. Because it's all about the source you're connected to. And so it's not about, oh, well, today I'm going to get past patience. I'm just going to be the most patient person in the world. You're probably going to be so impatient. <laughs> By the end of that day, no, it's about connection. And it's about what Jesus can do inside of me as I connect to him. And I feel like the Lord's been preaching this to me over and over and over and over and over again until I get it. So much so I started going to, I learned this from a friend, I started going to a coffee shop. There's this coffee shop in town, um, and uh, we have coffee in Kansas City, by the way. Um, There's this coffee shop, and you go there, if you go there at like 6 a.m., there's no, the shop's open, but there's nobody there. They have this like nice outdoor seating, and the sun's coming up, and just go there and sit for an hour. It's incredible. It's incredible what the Lord's done in just a little bit of time I've been doing it, how honestly that hour feels like three hours because I'm just sitting there. Sometimes I'll just listen. Sometimes I'll read the words. Sometimes I'll let worship music play. Sometimes I'll pray. 
looks different every time. My, my main goal is not to get something done there, though. It's just to connect. And it's been incredible to see how the Lord can come in and do so much in my life as I just make that my focus. Like he actually brings me more peace. <laughs> I go in worried about something. And he's like, I'll take care of that. You just focus on connecting with me. Because our God is so relational. It's actually what he wants more than anything, more than what you can give, more than what you can do, more than the difference you can make. He wants connection with you and relationship. And from that, fruitfulness will come first on the inside. You'll walk away with peace that you didn't have before, peace that surpasses understanding, a peace you can't give yourself, a peace that people can't give you, a peace that you can't buy from the world. And he begins to work and do things in you that only he can do. And you go in and you're like, oh, Lord, I got this. And he's like, don't worry about that. You just connect with me. I'll take care of that. And he begins to work and do things in you you can't do for yourself. Your role, it's not that you don't put any effort in. It's that your effort is an effort to connect, to take time, to make time, to slow down, to connect with him and begin to see this fruit come out of your life. And here's the good news. The good news is that Jesus, who is the vineyard keeper in this story, he's the one that comes in when God the Father says, we need to take this out. It hasn't produced fruit in three years. We need to cut it down. He comes in and says, give me one more year. Give me one more year. I'll cultivate it. I'll fertilize it. And let's see if we can get some fruit taking place inside of it and coming forth from it. And here's the good news, that Jesus is the best gardener there's ever been. He is the best at doing inside of you what only he can do, the shepherd of your soul. With man, things are impossible. With God, it's possible. He is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ask or think or imagine. He's the greatest gardener. And what I love about this is when he comes in, it's almost like, at least when I read it, I was like, because oh. at first I'm like, oh gosh, I need to bear fruit. <laughs> and I immediately want to go into strive mode. But then I'm like, oh my gosh, yes, there's Jesus. And he comes in with confidence. Give me another year. It's just how I hear him say, give me another year. I'm confident being confident of this, that he that began the good work in you is faithful to carry it through to completion. Being confident of this, that it is him and his spirit at work within us, giving us the power and the desire to do his will. So the Father's heart is that you would bear fruit. But it's also the Father's goodness, his grace, his mercy that he sent Jesus to help us cultivate that fruit within our lives. And guess what that produces? When Jesus does what he says, what he can do, when he comes through and you see his faithfulness, instead of you walking away saying, ah, look at my fruit. <laughs> I produced this fruit, isn't my fruit great? You walk away saying, it was Jesus. He did what I could, I was working on this for years. And he made a difference. I couldn't do it. I was ready to give up, but Jesus came in. And then people began to look at you 
And they say, how did you walk through that situation? How did you have that much patience dealing with that person? How did you have that much peace when that happened to your family member? How did you have self-control like that? Where did you get hope when everything was falling apart? And you're able to look back at him and say, it was Jesus. It was my connection with him. All I did was go to him. I just kept going back to him every day, running to his throne, running to the one that understands me, running to the one that knows everything about me. I just kept going back to him. And he just, day by day, he broke things off day by day. He gave me strength day by day. He worked it out. I just kept all, I just, that's all I can say is I kept going back to Jesus. And the other beautiful part of this is that though God is so concerned and so serious about this, he's also so patient in your process. He comes and he says, it's been three years that I've given this tree to grow fruit. And what's significant about this, and the, and the readers would have known this, or the, the listeners would have known this, what's so significant about it is that a fig tree starts bearing fruit after two years. And so just in his initial approach, you see how patient he's been that he's given it an extra year to bear fruit. And then he shows his willingness to wait again for Jesus to continue to work on it and cultivate it to see that fruit come. God is so for you. He is so for you having peace. He's so for you knowing real love. He's so for you having hope in your most broken moments. And he's so patient wanting that to happen in your life. And I don't know the significance of the amount of time. I I can't tell you how many years you got (laughs) to be fruitful. I don't really think that's the point. I think the point of it is that God wants to see these things in you and he is willing and he is able to work it out. All you have to do is connect to him and run to him. So I want to take a moment, every head bow eyes closed. Just want to take a moment and pray for two groups of people. First of all, just those of you that are followers of Jesus and maybe you're frustrated with where you're at in this. You know it's important and you want it. You desire these things but you're frustrated with it and maybe you've been striving for so long to see these things come about in your life, in your soul, in your family. And I just want to tell you, take heart and lean into the connection of God. Lean into his heart for you and his willingness to make a difference in your life. Run to him again. Not to yourself, not to your logic, not to your strength, but to his presence where everything can change. So Father, I pray for those that are longing to see more fruit in their lives longing to see these things, God, these inward things that you want to do in them come to pass. Lord, I just pray that today they'd be strengthened and they, like David in Psalm 27, their heart would say, seek your face. In your face they'd seek, God. They'd find all they're looking for in you the true source of life. And maybe for you, you you do feel frustrated or you just feel 
like you're just longing for more, I just encourage you to spend time this week asking the Lord, asking the Holy Spirit to reveal maybe things that are blocking you. Maybe you've been trying to fertilize it with the wrong thing too much. You need to run back to that, that connection, the first love. Just ask the Lord what it is He's asking you to do. I want to pray for a second group of people, and that's those of you here that you say you want to begin a relationship with Jesus. You hear this message. You want these things. You want to see your life change. You're looking for hope. You're looking for salvation. You're looking for an answer. And you say, I need Jesus. And I just want to lead you in a prayer, a simple prayer, inviting him into a relationship with you. But if that's you, I just want you to um, raise your hand for me right now in this moment. Nobody's looking around. If you'll just raise your hand so I know who I'm praying for. And I'll lead you in this prayer. That's awesome. I see your hand. That's awesome. You can slip it up and put it right back down. So good. Awesome. For those of you who just raised your hand, if you'll just say this prayer to the Lord. And I just want you to know he's the God who hears you. He's been preparing for this day for a long time. So excited. And his love is a love like you've never known. And it's him that works these things out in you, working out salvation in your soul. And so, Father, I just pray. You can repeat after me. Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord, I ask that you'd forgive me of my sins. And I ask that you'd save me. I ask that you'd be the Lord of my life. You'd show me how to live in the new way, your way. That you'd walk with me. You'd talk with me. Be my best friend, my Savior, my Lord, my Father. You'd help me live this new life. In Jesus' name. Father, I just pray for every person. Just pray that prayer, God, that you would direct them and lead them to community that would strengthen them. You'd lead them to your word that would take root in them, God. You'd protect them. Lord, and you'd bring them the joy of the Lord that is their strength. We thank you for them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen.